It's Friday, April 3rd, 2020, and you're listening to episode 543 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 52 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. I'm still Wayne. My name is Chad. This is Brodor. Got several things that we want to talk about today. And we're going to do you the favor of skipping the obvious one. We're going to talk about Patreon. Oh, we're talking Patreon. Okay. Yeah, fear the gun. Well, okay. Actually, we do need to talk about those. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe we need to start with some announcements. I was actually going to jump a topic. First of all, in case you have not heard, because of that which shall not be named, Fear the Con 2020 has been canceled. What we are intending to do is, or what we're doing, is we're going to roll the funding from Fear the Con 2020 straight to Fear the Con 2021. So, in theory, unless the location changes prices on us, Fear the Con 2021 is now already fully paid for. So, I'm going to link to a blog post I made on this that provides a little more information, but just some highlights. If you have a plane ticket that was not previously refundable, Almost all of those, or all of them actually, to the best of my knowledge, are now refundable. So you can get your money back. You can still cancel with the hotel because we're well before that. We are going to try some things like an online con about that time to give people some sort of gaming. And we're going to be over on Kickstarter itself, working with the Kickstarter backers to let them decide within the realm of what we're capable of doing how we want to work out those reward levels. So I'm going to link to this blog post. And if you're on the Kickstarter, please also watch the Kickstarter posts over there. But the short version is Fear the Con 2020 is unfortunately canceled. And the good news is Fear the Con 2021 is now, I mean, assuming we're not all, you know, whatever is ready to go. So if you need more content in the short term, our Patreon, we've got a Fear the Boot Game Notes podcast that comes out every Monday that is initially it's just me talking about preparing games, talking about GM insecurities, things like that. But I'm going to start having other people on it. One of the people, Dale, has recorded an episode for me that'll be eventually out there. I have a pretty decent backlog of these where that I'm going through and getting scheduled for releases. So it'll be a little bit before the other people start showing up. Whose do I suck to get on this show? You just simply record something and send it to Wayne. It's that yeah. simple. Before. I even will do the editing for you. But do I still get to <laughs> <laughs> Of course. All right. Awesome. Besides that, I wanted to get a little more use of the polls in Patreon. So I've been scheduling those out as well for our starting at the lowest level, the taste maker level. Yeah. We're actually asking questions that will make a difference to the future of what we do. And I, t- especially now, some of these are really valid questions to ask. Well, and I tell you, I got to give much love to both Wayne for all the hard work he's putting in, and also to a guy who's not part of the circle of hosts, which is VC Young, who's been doing some outstanding work behind the scenes because something else that is getting very close to release, and I mean, like, for real, not fear the boot close to release, but, like, (laughs) for real, normal person close to release is the first round of a semi-open Skies of Glass playtest. I mean, it's kind of blades in the dark where we're building the ship at sea, but we at least have a viable product where you can play the game. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff missing, Based on the feedback we get, there are going to be some things changed. You know, I'm going to throw out a date because nothing keeps me true to getting something out like throwing down a date. 
by the end of March, we will have a playtest version of Skies of Glass in the hands of the Patreon backers. Yes. That's some bold So if you are on Patreon, be looking for that very soon. If you're not on Patreon, just a reminder that we have introduced some new levels with some new rewards. We've radically reworked how the Patreon works. Actually, Wayne. Wayne is we. So thank you, Wayne. And the, so the one very get- first poll that I put out, because I'm scheduling these every Friday, there's going to be a new poll asking a question, trying to get feedback. The first poll I put out there was asking the simple question of, of the Fear the Boot current hosts that are not Dan and Chris because they are already GMing actual plays, what host would you most like to hear an actual play from? Wait, wait. Let's see if we can guess it. Let's see if Brodor and I can guess this. Brodor already knows because oh, Brodor, Brodor it's knows. changed since I sent you. But, you've but I, Brodor, I, I Brodor looked at it today okay. when oh. he was on Patreon. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so I would be shitty if I. So I don't know. The people on the poll, I'll give you that. Okay. To start yeah. With. Yeah. To... You. Okay. Me, Laura, Brodor, uh-huh. and Dale. Okay. Those five people are on the poll. And it can't be like me in first and last place like nope. he's usually. Yeah, no, no, because this, <laughs> um, this is a ranked thing. Right. And the number and, and one, is the number on one has a considerable lead. I am not, lead. On, there. Cause, cause I am not on there, and Chris yep. is not on there. Okay, because so we got Wayne, Dale, you, me, Brodor, Brodor, and Laura. Laura. So one quick aside while Chad is muddling this out. The level to back at to get access to the Skies of Glass playtest and also a Discord channel that is limited to just that group of people and up to talk to us directly about what you're seeing in the playtest, comments, questions, whatever, that is only three bucks a month. So, all right, Chad, Chad, who do you think is the winner? I am going to go, it's either going to be Laura or it's going to be Wayne, but I have to put my chip on one of them, not both. Yeah, so Uh, Laura. It's either going to be Laura because we did like essentially two episodes about her running a game and and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to go with Wayne. You are correct. Boom! There is a noticeable lead. Mm -hmm. Back and forth between... Because you're a really good GM. For two and three, those places have gone back and forth quite a bit Mm -hmm. between Laura and Brodor. Mm. Wow, nice. Am I in last? Nope. You were in third. Well, that's understandable because... Are you in fourth? Dale. Well, you have to have a middling position because that's the end result of well, being the most loved and most hated host. I don't have a like a proper job anymore, so <laughs> I don't see any reason why I couldn't just put together an AP. I that mean, is true. I'm not stopping you. Well, yeah. well and that leads us. You okay, so are we done with announcements? Because that <laughs> yeah. leads us to my Brodor. Maybe we can get you on an AP. Yeah. Other than skies of glass. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about today, other than announcements, is. This West. episode has such scope creep. It does. <laughs> I know. Okay, and I promise you guys, if this turns into a two-parter, it will stop at a f***ing two-parter. This is not <laughs> going to be a four-parter. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is West Marches. Now, West Marches is a concept that I was recently introduced to, like recently as in the past couple of months, and I have been chewing on this for a while. And the more I think about it, the more I like it because of the fact that what West Marches is, it's not a game. It's a style of gaming. And it's a style of gaming that is designed to specifically accommodate a group of people that are not necessarily consistent, okay? So it means if you have a GM, and there may be more than one, and a couple of players, whoever they may be, this is designed to accommodate grabbing those people and running a game. What it still holds like a normal role-playing game, is a sense of at least some continuity. 
So these are not totally standalone one-shots. So let me explain how Westmarch's game works. And probably one of the best properties to describe it with is going to be, I'm going to use... I was going to say Star Trek. Okay, let's go, let's go with Star Trek. Star Trek for and by the way, that might be what we use. And I got to give love to Eric and his show, but I was talking about a Star Trek West Marches game to him before he started his. <laughs> but I will link to theirs in the show notes if you want the lesser product. So, <laughs> wow. If, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, when you said West Marches, immediately my brain went to conspiracy theories. Like, if you haven't heard of Mosaic Warfare, you should look it up. So you've got traditional warfare, asymmetric warfare, and now Mosaic Warfare. When you said West Marches, I thought this was like a Lego-style plug-and-play FEMA death camp thing that we were doing like <laughs> welcome to west marches it's sort of like a it's like fantasy football but it's like you know fantasy apocalypse where you are a fascist dictatorship putting people in concentration camps like i thought that's the game we were playing well the lego the plug course. and play kind of fits yeah <laughs> outside of that man you really thought this through in 60 seconds yeah. <laughs> based on and you ended up somewhere completely wrong but west, wow just the name so, west okay march. all right so what we're going to do west march is actually going to be a prison planet thing but it's going to be co- sort of like the prisoner okay the spy show but also hogan's heroes yeah. <laughs> when i hear when i hear west march my first thought is death march so i get as, it as someone who loves both of those shows i'm suddenly in <laughs> all right so i mean i'm really in so here's how west march's game works so let's say you've got a pool of 15 people okay because you can go that big so let's say you have a pool of 15 people why is it called west march i have no idea i don't know it's what the name th- of the person who invented it no, it, it's based on the types of stories. <laughs> you are marching to the West, and it doesn't matter who's actually part of it. You just keep going. So what if I move East? Then you lose. Yeah. You lose levels. Uh, and you have to get equipment back. <laughs> and time goes backward, and you right? have to conduct yeah. the game in reverse. These rules suck. Yeah. All right, so yeah. <laughs> wherever it came from, okay, it came from Bob Westmarch. Right. <laughs> Who... The, the brother-in-law of Bob Shadowrun. Don, Don Shadowrun. Don Shadowrun. Right. I'm sorry. But it was the, the inventor of Shadowrun. Yeah. yeah, Don Shadowrun. But this comes His from, name is not Donald. <laughs> but this came from Bob Westmarch. All right. So here's how Westmarch's game plays. Yeah, we're going to get nowhere, are we? So I, I'm trying, man. I right. really am. Let's say you have a group of 15 people. These could be 15 people in person. Mm-hmm. Like you guys all live in the same city. This could be 15 people online. This actually could be both. It could be people that you know in person but only meet with online or or whatever. But what happens when that group, let's say 15 people, you have three people that agree to be the GMs. Now, they can also have player characters, but these are three people that are sort of like in the GM ring. And by the way, none of these numbers are fixed. We talked about this on uh, Big 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I was yelling at Eric because he wouldn't let me link things in the chat somebody was asking about this and i was trying to link it because chad and i were actually using the exact same account on twitch so <laughs> you're talking to two people what happens then and once again you can use any numbers here so this could be eight people with two gms this could be five people and you're all gms it, it doesn't matter any number works but let's say let's go with the star trek example so if you are playing star trek and let's say right at this moment i'm bored and it's like you know i want to run a game i'm one of the gms so I'm like, who's free? And the three of you out of our 15 people happen to be free. And maybe Chad's a GM and a player. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, it doesn't matter. But you three are free and you've got your player characters. I'm like, you know, I'm going to run. And so we have an episode and maybe this occurs on one ship. 
Maybe you guys are like teams that get sent out and there's multiple starships at work here. However you want to do it. In D&D, this could be a map of the area, a realm's map. And you start off, you know, in this one city. And when we sit down, it plays out kind of like Skyrim or the newer Fallout games in that you say, hey, look at this map. Where do you guys want to go? What do you guys want to do today? Or maybe I have an idea and I say, you guys got a call for help or the king or Starfleet Command is sending you over to this place. And so whether you chose it or I chose it, we have this sort of open world. So you go out there and you go to a planet where there's this weird alien mind controlling everyone and nobody knows why. You guys beam down, you solve that mystery, you deal with the alien, however, you beam back up, the episode's over. If it's D&D, you clear a dungeon or you stop an uprising in a city and you've resolved that in a particular manner and the game is now over. Then I go back to the GMs group and I say, okay, please note on your maps, this story has been told and here's a real brief summary of things that are now canonical. Because when they went and cleared this dungeon, it's cleared now. The dragon at the bottom's dead. He's not alive anymore unless you want to bring him back as a Draco Lick or something. But it's dead. And the treasure's been cleared. If it's Star Trek, hey, you guys need to know that Helen's World 5 or something is now cleared out and dealt with. And this is a story I told. So if in the next game, Chad happens to mention the mind-controlling Beeble Blorb, <laughs> that's a real thing in our setting now. And the other GMs cannot contradict that. They must play along with it because that becomes part of the continuity. Now, the next game could be Chad running, and instead of the same people, it could be like, I'm one of the players, and so is, let's say, like Eric and Brandon. It's me, Eric, and Brandon playing. Because Eric shared, you know, crib and notes off of your game to steal. And yeah, which is, yeah, because nobody has ever <laughs> thought of playing Star Trek before I mentioned it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that he could not have come up with that no. on his own. No, but, not Eric. <laughs> And he's not doing a completely different system than the one you probably yeah, would run. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, yeah. he's also not doing the system you can still buy as the one you get lucky to buy on eBay. But, you know, that's yeah. generally what a bus marches game is. So it's similar to what we saw when we were at Gamma. At the Free League booth, they have a game called Forbidden Lands. And they had a map that folded out that came with the box set that was basically generic you know, these are ruins and here's a city. Yeah, well, I think I even asked him, I said, is this a West March's template? And he said, yes, if I remember right. I could be misquoting, but as best I recall, when we were talking to the guy there, and I took one of his brochures, Mm -hmm. I asked him, is this meant to be a West March's template? And he said, yeah, that's it. So this is what Chad's going to do now then, Hmm. is he's going to run a Fear the Boot Discord West March's style game in uh, 5th edition D&D? Yeah, and the entire system, though, it's not going to be D&D. It's going to be Texas Hold'em base. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, you know what? <laughs> I'm out. When, with the, with the, the Influence Foundation, I'm going to, for part of my Patreon backers, I'm going to run a f***ing West Marches well, game. Well, I'll probably participate. In, in 5e. I'll run a 5e West Marches game at a set backer level. Well, and I would have Done. Promise is made. Because I have been going around and kind of polling just a bunch of random people. I asked my brother-in-law, Adam, mm-hmm. would he be interested? Uh, I asked... Heck, no, I'm forgetting who. But I, I've asked, I think it was Hussey. I don't remember. I asked a few people, hey, would you be interested if I did this? And so far, I've gotten a unanimous, absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. So why I think this would work well with Star Trek is because when you look at Star Trek episodes, 
You don't have the same away team each time. You don't have... Hell, characters disappear for yeah, whole episodes. On each episode, you have whoever they have written into the episode. And they have different I writers. I think it works well. I think that could also work well for, like, a big superhero game. Yeah, Cynthia Barnes is pregnant, so she can't play Dr. Ooh, Clark. Yeah. Just, so no, Dr. Clark's no, not in this series doing. of episodes. Wayne, yeah. we are doing Injustice, <laughs> and we are all going to play superheroes that are part of the same sort of, like, resistance cell. That type of game works well because there's people coming in. It and does, out. Wayne. <laughs> so it works great. Thank you for starting this. I honestly don't know how I feel about the idea of the West Marches game. You feel f***ing great. <laughs> you, you feel. I, you feel. Great. I would run it, Dan. I mean, <laughs> when, uh, Chad, who do you want to play? The main man of Lobo. Course. Okay, so low. So when Lobo, Merlin, and uh, Mister Freeze are all banded together and going and kicking a bunch of ass, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so. Overall, I don't know how I feel. About I love how every time Dan brings this up and gets super excited about it, Wayne kind of just lightly brushes him off in the same way. No, I, am, I am completely willing to, mm-hmm. to run it. I would love to run that game. I want to reread the series because Dan has read it since I have and knows way more about it than I do right now. So I want to reread it before I try to run something like that. But yeah, I'm up for running it. Mm-hmm. But overall, how I feel about these Westford Marches thing is... I can't imagine as deep of a story between characters with it. Mm. When you're trading characters in and out, no, I, I think that's... I like a core group of people where you're interacting. Character See, I to character. think that's actually the the better part of it. The consistency to it is the pool of characters that you know. Let's go to D and D. Let's say Wayne, I'm playing a cleric, and you're playing. What do you want to play a bard again? <laughs> sure. Okay, so Wayne's playing a bard. Is it'll be like you know maybe I didn't see you on the last adventure, but I saw you two back. And I'll be like, hey, Wayne's crappy bard, how's, <laughs> how's everything going? I haven't seen you since we, you know, or, hey, let's do that same play we did on the dragon back mm-hmm. two outings ago or whatever. That's the consistency of it is the setting is consistently affected. It's consistently impacted. And the player pool, the character pool, rather, is fixed. So you are always, it may be a different set of characters. It may be the same it may be partially the same, but you're always running into the same group of people. Yeah, what I immediately wonder is, how do the other characters keep up with what's happened? Or do they? You know, you don't know what else has happened in the world because your character wasn't there. I could see That makes sense. I could see not wanting to. Let, let's say, for instance, this theoretical Star Trek game is a weekly game. And I can only make it once a month. But it's very episodic. So Westmore, yeah, that fits fine. That perfectly works. I wouldn't necessarily want to know the details of what's going on. You know, give me the, the broad stroke. So I'm not like a complete idiot when I come in, but I would want to play a character that is like, Oh, it's that one guy, you know, who's not in every episode of star Trek. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, yeah, the broccoli or whatever. His name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, Lieutenant I, Reginald Barkley. I, one I of my think, favorite characters. <laughs> I, I think you're both right. Because if we build a world, if we do a, a West Marches concentration camp game, <laughs> right? So you somehow turned this into like the fifth column yeah. from City of Heroes. So, <laughs> but you're both right, Wayne. In that, you can do exactly the game that you want to do. You can get together with your friends remotely currently, and you can sit down and you can do a once a week thing, and you can explore certain aspects of the world. But Chad and Dan can also be game masters, right? As long as you have like one, you know, sort of chief or general game master and then subsidiary game masters that all feed information up to the yeah, top. You just have you, to have information. You sharing. can literally game master different parts of the world. So as the GMs, right, we have a Google Doc that we all share maps and things like that. But then one of us, whoever the chief GM is, also has a blog that they do 
or something that they link like a wiki that they do. And so the outside public can run games and participate in the world and provide. Sure. What I was about to suggest, I figured Chad would hate because it's more work for the GM was whoever GMs it. Let's say you're talking a Star Trek game. Whoever GMs it has to make the captain's report. Yeah. You have a dossier basically. And that is something that all the players can read. Not just the other GMs. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're saying, hey, when this adventure happened, it was, you know, this date in game world. So game world date X to game world date Y. Here is a briefing or a synopsis of what occurred. And that's open to everybody. And you can link in treasure items found in certain places or new languages or races discovered. I mean, that could be I do really love, delightful. I do love mm-hmm. the idea of a blog with information and maps and details coming into it. You, you get somebody really excited to add that content in there and write and maybe even have some flash fiction going in in the world. Right. Well, and then if the GMs are into yeah, that. And then ultimately you do what Mercer did and you produce it as an actual book for publication and you run a successful Kickstarter. But right now we're just spitballing. Dan, what are you doing over there on the well, computer okay, so with maps I, and stuff? So while you guys were talking, I was trying to look at a map of the Forgotten Realms because it's been I mean, a while. it looks like a shark that fought its way out. <laughs> okay, I'm going to close this <laughs> before I lose this episode. So I mean, he's I'm not sure. wrong. <laughs> he's really not wrong. Minimize this. But I, I was saying, I was going to say, as an example, if you ran this in Forgotten Realms, I can't remember the names of all the groups or all the kingdoms. But there's a bunch of kingdoms that are kind of clustered together in my preferred area. And I could say, you know what? You guys all live roughly at this point in the middle. And if I'm GMing, we're going to go southeast into Sembia. If Wayne's GMing, we're only going to go north or northeast into the Dale Lands. If Broder's GMing, we're only going west into a kingdom whose name I suddenly cannot remember. There's a major kingdom there. I've heard Cormanther, of some... I think. If Chad games, he's only Ravenlaw. He's only going to do things dealing with Mithranor. You know, whatever. No, the I've heard about Ravenlaw. I've really heard about these kind of games where you have multiple GMs doing different sections, and then it all leads up to the big event, yeah. and that's when you get everyone well, together at a con, and then everyone plays out that big event at the different tables. The question I have though. Why isn't Chad running this for Fear the Boot? Because <laughs> I'm not interested. Well, I also literally <laughs> just heard about it. <laughs> right. I was making a joke in hopes I'm that Chad would sorry. step up and say, nope. this sounds like a great idea. So, Wayne, why? when so, are you starting? So, do you, <laughs> do you want my hot take on it? I do. Okay. I mean, it, it sounds interesting, especially when you have a large group of people that's spread out all over the place. Or you have a lot of people who want a game, and most of them can make it some of the time. Seems like a good alternative. It is not something that I would want to do in replacing a main game, like a traditional oh, no, either. sort either. of thing. Yeah. I It would never be as good as a main group in person mm-hmm. with everyone. But I kind of like the idea, too, of if you only have a couple people that are your solid people that will always be there, but then you have a pool of the people that will come in and out, that's your group. Yeah. You've got your main people. You build the deep stories around that, and then they're getting support from all of Thus these far, other not as reliable people. Thus far, I'm exactly on the same page as Chad in that I think this is a great supplement to gaming. Or if your life is just in a really weird place right now and this is all you can do, it's better than no gaming. And it does allow online games in particular to survive while suddenly so-and-so stops showing up. You were built for that. The game was designed for that. But I would say that my personal preference and you said i can only pick one or the other mm. i would still prefer a traditional at the table consistent group of people yeah. singular campaign i just think that if i'm 
one of the people who cannot necessarily make it all the time, I would feel like I'm just missing out on something. You know, it's just like, I, I feel like I'm looking at a painting, but I'm not seeing the whole picture. So your preference would be, I can only make it once a month. So the game only runs once a month. For I think, me, yeah, but I yeah. wouldn't want to inflict no, 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 no. that on no, 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 other no. That's people. What, that's, what yeah. I, that's what I'm asking. No, I is get it. You want something that maintains yeah. a consistency I, for your schedule. I want to show... I respect that. I mean, I've gamed with all the hope. What is my attendance like? Uh, very consistent. Yeah. yeah. Very, very consistent. Right. Probably the most consistent person in the group. I'll yeah. go, I won't say probably. He is the most consistent yeah. out of any group I've ever been in. Yeah, it's not like a fear of missing out thing. It's just kind of like how I arrange my life. Now is the time to game. Let's game. And I've been doing that for so long that of the gaming groups I'm in, I don't really miss them. I mean, like, re- I'm not 100%, but I'm really, really high up there in attendance. And I don't know. I A game where I only show up 60% of the time doesn't interest me. It, like, doesn't even get me out of the train station. Obviously, though... If I were part of one of these games, I could just be the person who does show up all the time. Yeah, because that's the other thing, and, and that's fine. That but. was going to be one of the things I threw out to you, Chad. In your case, you're consistent. You're there. You're mm-hmm. there. You're there. How many games have you seen fail because the GM wasn't able to be consistent? Right. And if you have a pool of multiple GMs that can trade in and out, mm-hmm. you know, we're running the game now at let's say Wednesday night at seven. Who's a GM that's available to well, run? And it? if one person is 100 percent available. Nothing stops you from right. being in every game. Absolutely, yeah. I think that it's just like Big Twenty. Chad is one hundred percent available, so he's just <laughs> always there. Right. <laughs> so I think though that if I someone approached me and said, "Hey, you want to play West March? Here's the times that we were playing about," and I looked at it and I said, "Well, I can only make that about sixty percent of the time," and I understand the system is set up for that. That it totally works with that. Personally, I wouldn't be interested. And it would be me. I wouldn't be able to make it. It wouldn't interest me to play. But if I texted you and was like, hey, dude, I'm doing a one shot this weekend. A buddy of mine's coming to town. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Do you want to get together for a one shot in my West March world? Yeah, maybe. That's the other thing is one of the things this allows. And by the way, Chad, I don't disagree with Mm. your critiques of it. There is no perfect way to game except the one that you personally enjoy most. But one of the things this does allow also is the ability to have characters that aren't just coming and going, yeah, but possibly only there for a moment. If we were running a game like this and there's somebody who is only free this one time, throw them in. I mean, right. they're as random as anybody else in attendance. I had the thought about, not on this game, but in another game I was on in online that was going to potentially become a West Marches, I had that thought of, I'm the player that will always be there for that game because I'm really excited about it. Does that mean other people aren't going to get to play because I'm in there every week? And then I started feeling guilty about being the one that was going to be there every week. Oh, you just need to start drinking then. (laughs) That's not going to happen. If it were me, I would do too. I would have my main game that is my passion game, my regular game. I would just coincidentally do it in this world where I have friends who are also GMs who run other games in this world that we're building together. Yeah, and I think ultimately that's kind of where I fall of that. This does not interest me. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad game. And I I really want to make that clear because I know I critique a lot of stuff. The quality of this game, the validity of it, I think it's great. I think this probably actually opens up gaming for a lot of people who can't normally game due to busy schedule. I think it's really wonderful. Really not my bag. Right. Because the way I handle parts of my life and how I make it through life has to do with consistency and regularity. Sure. Because if I don't, my life kind of falls apart because of the way my mind works. That's why I can show up to games all the time is because 
The game is on this day. It is at this time. That is the time to game. It is on my calendar. This is when I show up. And I don't schedule things on top of other things. I have to do things like that to the nth degree to make my life work. And so a Westmarch style game, like it's time to game. I sit down at this Westmarch game and there's five new faces. That is really frustrating to me. It's cool. It's totally cool to me. That's really frustrating. I I get it. And (laughs) if I do this, um, I know we've thrown around a thousand different Mm -hmm. ways of approaching this, but the one that I am contemplating genuinely starting up, at least as of right now, only involves people that I believe everyone at the table knows. Mm -hmm. Now, these are not people you usually game with. For example, Mm -hmm. Chad, I'm guessing you've never gamed with my brother-in-law before. Yes, I have. Oh, you did? It Was it a Fear of the Con or something? And it was a Star Trek, and it was at his apartment. (laughs) I haven't ever had an apartment. Well, somebody's apartment. (laughs) It was definitely an apartment. Okay, so everyone here has either gamed with or at least knows. You know, there are no Mm -hmm. random strangers. Like, I just grabbed some guy from... John Hobo. Yeah, like two jobs back. Like, I did ask Johnny G. Mm -hmm. Would he be down for this? God love him. He is Chad's diametric opposite. (laughs) He is the least consistent person right. in a gaming group. Yeah. This would be perfect for and This is a John-proof game. <laughs> right. He could be a game master. It would work for Yeah, him. precisely. <laughs> if he's there at all in one game and completely disappears the, for three months, it does not freaking matter. The wind blows to the east, and it blows John on a grand adventure. Precisely. Then it blows in from the west, and John comes rolling in from his grand adventure into our lives. I think it's a more consistent stream. I think he just has to circumnavigate the globe and then reappear. <laughs> right. He's kind of like Pac-Man. He just has to disappear off one side, and eventually he reemerges from the other. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there is John all over again. Yeah. But yeah, it, it really accommodates people like that. And once again, at mm-hmm. least the game I'm contemplating, the pool I've looked at, there is no one in there that I believe would be an outright stranger to anyone at this table. What sounds really cool about the whole concept to me I'm approaching it as something I'm not interested in. Sure. So right. I'm I'm looking at it from an outsider perspective of what are some interesting things that can be done, right? And what I look at is is like Dan pulled up a map. All right. So so there's a map. Could be any map, and we're doing a D and D game or whatever. <laughs> the map is still wet. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so there's a map there, and we make a map that's online that is one that you can right click, drop a pin on, and put a note to a link that goes to a wiki. So it's Dan's game and uh, he drops a pin onto the map and it is the fortress of whatever of the mushroom people. God, I hate myconoids. Click on the pin and it pops up and it clicks on the game's wiki. And then there's Dan's adventure notes. I mean, I'm not talking like a scholarly article on the, Oh no, even better. There's permissions based on what, when you click on it. So if you're a player, you get one set of notes, but if you're logged on as a GM, you give a completely separate set of permissions, yeah. and then and you see his even, actual GM notes about But you would make the site to where... You guys can do this? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, this is actually what I was thinking about well, doing, is, is you have a map that you, has pins, and when you mouse over them, you see a pop-up that says, unexplored. But or, here's the thing. You make the website. The map is not the main part of the website. The website is actually Game Master Notes. Dan gets on this website as he would a Word document or Google Docs or whatever, and you do your notes, right, for the game. And then when you go and review your notes, you just highlight section, right-click, this is what players can see, left-click, this is what other game masters can see. I'm dropping a pin, and then I'm linking it to those sections. 
Is that something you can do through a website like WordPress? Uh, I would be shocked if it hasn't already been done. Well, or if nothing oh, else. Oh, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, movies have already been made. Books have already <laughs> been written. I mean, I'm not I'm not inventing the fucking wheel here. Mm-hmm. I'm just discovering a new medium for a game. No, what I... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, easily. If, if slash when this occurs, one of the things that I have already thought through, because by trade I am a computer programmer specializing in web technologies is I would have a map, whether it's of a map of the galaxy, it's a map of an area of land, whatever it is, depending on the game, and you would have things that everyone could see. Like, you look at the world map, and there's a map pin on, let's say, a particular dungeon. And if you mouse over... Players can drop pins, too, because the player's like, drop a pin here, this is an interesting crossroad, this is my hometown. Sure. I'm going to do a whole write-up on my hometown. Right, but you have to you have to limit people's well, access to be Well, let me finish explaining the concept mm-hmm. before you guys start modifying. <laughs> so the idea is that there's a map pen wherever it came from, whoever wrote it, that, like, let's say on a dungeon, and if you mouse over it, a little thing pops up that says, Mithranor, totally unexplored. And maybe if you click on that, there might be some GM notes on, hey, just at a glance, this is what Mithranor is. And... Well, let's say then some people go there. Well, now when you mouse over the map pen, it says Mithranor, this portion of it explored by Wayne Chad and Brodor. And here's maybe like a sentence on what they saw and what occurred. If you click on it, based on who you are, per Wayne's yep. point, you see one set of notes based on what the players experienced. And then maybe some ideas from the GM who ran it or some explanation on what occurred. Not pages and pages and pages. We're Let's talking say, and, sentences and paragraphs. And that's, why, that's why I like the idea of linking the whole thing and making the site about Game Master notes because a Game Master is going to write their notes for the adventure once. And you don't want them to write like, okay, we're going to go to this volcano and here's my notes for the adventure. Now I have to do a Wikipedia entry for the fucking volcano. Nobody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, maybe one or two crazy people will, but the vast majority won't. Well, and I would probably even limit the input. Like if I wrote the site, I would limit the input because I don't want people right. turning this into a realms book. It's yeah. I want yeah. I want the players to say, you know what? We have adventured all throughout these lands and we keep freaking walking around Mithranor. Yeah. Let's go see what's there. If they walk to it and get a level into it and are like, holy crap, we are so far out of our league and they walk away from it, then you can modify it a little bit mm-hmm. to say you only got this far. Well, three or four levels later, when you guys are a tougher party, you come back now and attempt that again. But, you know, the players, as much as the GM, can look at this and just at a glance say, here's where things are at. I'd love to run this. Oh, crap, another group party did it. Or, wait a minute, this is totally untouched. Hey, Dan, if you're willing to GM tonight, just a request. Can we do Mr. Nor? I really want to at least pop around the upper ruins and see what's there. So pulling back from the site idea, though, one of the things that Brodor had said is that you got to make sure everybody's like on the same page. I mean, you're going to have to limit it in some way. So you have a player who says, OK, I'm going to drop a pin here. This is my hometown and this is what I'm writing about the hometown. And we're playing a D&D game and whatever. And then you have another player who is not on the same page, looks at that and says, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to drop a pin over here on this town, and I'm going to talk about how my character was beamed down from a spaceship and a person out of time. Well, that's why I'd allow a little sticky notes, but they'd be labeled as like player commentary. Not separating it from a technology solution to a, this is a West March's concept. You have 15 people, you have all these different game masters, other than the game masters kind of collude and talk. 
how do you keep everyone on the same page? How do you how do you make sure that the players know it's like, okay, I want you to explore this place. I want you to explore your character. I want you guys to make some of the world building. We're going to make world building. How do you not have a person say, all right, I am from the space age future. I Star think, Trek tending to be on this world. Okay, so a- I, I think the way I would go is there needs to be a session negative one. So we have the usual session zero where people get together, make characters, talk about what they want out of the mm-hmm. game, what they don't want to see, et cetera, et cetera. But I think either prior to that is a session negative one or maybe right after that session zero is a session point five. The GMs need to sit down and they need to agree to some limits. If someone says, look, I'm all about Sembia. I wanted to handle Sembia. Are you guys okay with not touching Sembia and letting me deal with them? They either say yes or no. And we come to an agreement. We say, look, this is going to be the maximum technology level. Are you guys okay with certain levels of magical items? Or where do we cut those off? Where do they become game-breaking? What are the boundaries? You know, let's think it through. What are the boundaries we need to think about? And there has to be a degree of deference where if somebody comes in and says, yeah, I want to play my splat book beam down character, hmm. where the GM has enough sense to say, I need to run this past the other GMs. You're yeah. going in a place. This is not you telling me you want to look around Mithranor. You're <laughs> going so far off the accepted script that I need to make sure the other GMs are aware of this and okay with it before I say yes. What's the opposite of the Constitution? If it is not written here, the answer is no. Correct. It, but, no, but you may, we can you take may not. It. But we can take it to committee for right. review. We'll take, absolutely <laughs> review. But the answer but for now is no. Is absolutely not. The other thing that you have or to do. Or if we say, look, this is the realm's map, and you say, I want to visit an island that's just off the map, answer is no, it's not yeah. on the map, until I talk to the other GMs right. and see how they feel about it. And I know I have a tendency to be a pretty confining, forcing my players to operate inside of a box GM. It's because I subscribe to the limitations breed creativity. But any which way. I also I need to have a lot of control over mm. the thing and I need I need to have a mission statement. I need to have a here's the theme of the game, here's the heart of the game, here's the mission statement of the game. This is what we're trying to do and tonally this is what we're trying to explore. Your individual games, I have no f- to give about how you run those games, but I am going to control the content of what is and is not dogmatic in this world. So, you would say that if you were involved in a Westmarch game, you would need not co-GMs, you would need a general, and then you would right. have so a bunch I would, of I would be the I would be the GMG. I would be, uh, I were, or, you know, <laughs> I would be the game master general, and then I would have game masters, and it would yeah. be, this is yeah. my... Because I don't I, think that's... I'm going to give it a it name. Works. I mean, I, I get it. I don't disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a name of, of Gick, the GM in general, or GM <laughs> in chief, excuse me, so Gick. But I don't know that this type of game requires a Gick, but there is nothing that stops you from being one or having right. one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it requires one, but I, if, if not, I did Bob Westmarch is not going to show up at your doorstep and <laughs> it, break your well, legs. Don Chad to run it, one. You know, but, he, yeah. It's yeah. my understanding he prefers Robert, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not that close with him, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, is I, it just me, or is this just the advancement of living Greyhawk. campaigns? Yeah, well, I think yeah, it's the reverse. Sure. I think it's the narrowing of it. Because if you look at the organized play stuff or the it, living stuff... It's just a stuff, bunch of modules. That, yeah, well, it's a bunch know. of modules. But if you look at like some of the living games and such, with the organized play, the general outcomes of things fed back into the direction of the game and the state of the world. And so it became kind of this uh, mass sampling that pulled down into a continuity of the world. I think, yes, this is an evolution of it. 
but it's not an expansion of it. It's a narrowing of it. You're taking this idea and saying, now how, instead of with 15,000 people, how do you do it with 15 people or 10 people, you know, or whatever it may be? So, uh, yeah, I think that is probably a good assessment of it in that there probably is at least some unintentional evolution, if not intentional evolution, uh, from living to Brodor's weird West March's <laughs> fifth column camps that he somehow <laughs> took away from this. But yeah, I, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment. So, Dan, what I guess what I'm asking is, when I run my West Marches, West Marches concentration camp game, yes. are you going to be one of my uh, camp heads? Wow, uh, this <laughs> sounds weirdly like the Nuremberg Trials. Yeah. Um, Let's just call it Camp Counselor. Are you going to make some Basically, are you <laughs> going to simply follow orders is what I need to know. Can you just ask what I'd be a GM <laughs> under the GM-in-chief? Would you be a GM under the GM-in-chief? Yes, Broder, I would do that. And would you adopt the official camp manager title? <laughs> What's German for camp manager? I do I don't want to know. But the answer, the answer is yes. If you were asking me, do I have a problem being a GM or being in a West Marches game that instead of co-GMs as a Senate has a singular head GM? The answer is no. I have no problem with that. I mean, unless the head GM is a complete ass about it somehow. <laughs> you know, unless they're just like super controlling to the point that I have no room to work. But, I mean, that kind of defeats the entire point of the whole thing to begin with. You might as well have one GM. Yeah, and I think that's one of the issues with the West March thing is that it doesn't stop there being a head GM and co-GMs, but it seems like the spirit of it is supposed to be this whole openness, freedom, that there isn't a head yeah, GM. And but, it's this whole emergent world. It's, if, if, exactly. If any one of the GMs, whether it's a declared head GM or just one of many co-GMs, becomes a micromanager... This whole thing falls apart the same way any operation would under micromanagement. But someone has to be there to say that this idea is f***ing lame. Somebody has well, sure. to say you can't be the space guy. But that You has, can't be... No! Yes, but that has to be accompanied by trust, where you trust that your other GMs are going to... Let's say we're playing normal D&D 5e. Can I be a... Dragonborn, or what the hell is it called? So you have somewhat. Dra- Dragonborn is correct. Yeah, and if you want oh, to play, called, right. I was yeah, if you want to play Dragonborn, that's no, I was thinking Dovahkiin. That I was mixing <laughs> it up with uh, Skyrim. Skyrim, because I was like, no, wait, the Dragonborn's the guy in Skyrim. I guess it's both. All right, but the dra- the freaking dragon, whatever the hell. gnomes, gnomes, the, the <laughs> gnomes. But you know, I can say yes to that. But if somebody says, "Well, I want to play an ogre from space," that you're going to trust that I'm going to tell that player. No. The only way you get to play an ogre from space is that if I'm running Astra Militarum Savage Worlds right. and you're a bull ogre and you're the party's bull ogre and that's the <laughs> only thing we're going to f***ing do. Okay. And I'd run that game. All right. Well, and, and that's fine. But, I, you know, my point is that you, as a GM in chief, you've got to have some trust. Sure. But if I, as a GM, cannot spread my wings at all, this is dead to begin with. It just with. seems like you have to have a level of trust in getting on the same page that you wouldn't actually need a GM in chief. Yeah. Let's well, say if you're talking Star Trek, you have established boundaries there. It's Star Trek. Well, I could see yeah, you're not no, no Doctor Who in Star Trek. Yeah. I could see a GM in chief. Well, you couldn't possibly. Only that's so, the only way to make strikes, make Star Trek worse is add Doctor Who. <laughs> I could see a GM in chief insofar as you have a person that this is, oh, what were they called? The people that led Rome prior to the Republic when the Senate would establish 
a temporary military individual who would head out and lead the armies. But then when they would come back, they would lose that title. They would lose that commission. But it would be somebody like that who's rarely used, but is simply there to be the vetoing vote or the tie-breaking vote or yeah. somebody that if everything is hit deadlock, this is the person who gets the see, movie. It again. just seems to me is that the, a Westmarch-style game requires so much trust and happiness and kumbaya, which I, is great, that the idea of putting any of these ideas in, sure, again, it works. It totally works. But if you feel you need that, then, then you, you need... probably shouldn't be running a West Marchers game. Yep. You really need to question if you should be in this game. Yeah. Or not. Well, and that's why one of the things I'm hesitant to do is I'm not against participating in a West Marchers game that has a bunch of people I don't know. But the one that I'm thinking about putting together, I'm not going to bring in a bunch of people I don't know for this exact reason. I don't know what they would do. The trust isn't there, not because I think they're bad people. But because I just don't know. Whereas if this is like, once again, it's the people. <laughs> there are those room. who would say that's half the fun of it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Fine. If that's how you want a game, I don't have an issue with that. But for me, you know, this is why I want people like Johnny G, like my brother-in-law, Adam, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Because I know that these people are not going to go completely off the ranch on me. I know that I'm not going to come back next game and have to deal with the away team that suddenly appeared in Sembia <laughs> and figure out how that works because of the fact that there, there's somebody in there that, I mean, maybe they're not a bad person. I just didn't know what they do. And this is the way they game. It, Part of it goes back to what you were saying too, Chad, about, you know, this doesn't sound like something that would be for you. Right, right. When I first saw Eric's conversation about the Star Trek game, I saw, he said original series. And it's like, okay, not for me. I don't like yeah. that Eric. And same thing. I looked at it as like, there are going to be a lot of people coming in and out. That doesn't really appeal to me as a player. Right. But I would be a lot more comfortable being a GM in that and occasionally playing with, mm-hmm. but not being primarily a player. I would be more comfortable with a West March game if I were one of the GMs. Yeah. Because I know me and I know what appeals to me. And me as a player, I would feel like I had lost too much of what I enjoy out of gaming because I want those, that consistent group around me learning. As a GM, I'm going to lose a lot of what I enjoy out of GMing, but not as much. It right. seems that the fun of a Westmarch game is seeing other people's fingerprints on the world sure. live. You go to a keep and another party, another GM, they've already been there. They've already done the thing there. And as a game master, you can run the aftermath of that with a different group of people. And that creates these sort of emergent stories that are pretty interesting. Exactly. So the interesting parts of it are other groups of people, game masters, players, entities, throwing these curveballs onto the world that you can't control. And I think that that's where your guys' ideas about, you know, like the head GM and all that sort of stuff, again, not a problem. And it works, but it goes against the, the spirit of it is because it's all about not having that control to me it's not much different in my mind than sitting down at the table with the group of you and running a game dan has a character wayne has a character chad has a character i run all of these npcs you still do what it is that you do you pursue what hooks you want to pursue you pursue what personal goals and things you want to do but there is a final arbiter to say here's how we adjudicate the rules and actually, that idea is f***ing lame. 
Yeah, and once again, I, I don't know. I don't want to get mm-hmm. stuck in a round and round on this. Sure. I still cut the middle ground if I don't have an issue with that, provided they're not a micromanager. Because right. as a GM, well, i got to run my damn game. But, but, I can't run everything past you. But as a right. game master, you're not a micromanager, right? I right. mean, it would be the same kind of role. It would just be a big picture role sure. as a specific party. Role. Yeah, and I, once again, I wouldn't have a problem if you wanted me to come back to you if somebody does something off the ranch, or it says in the book that there's a plus five Holy Avenger here or whatever, and that's not... That's obviously game breaking, but it says it's here, right? You know, and going back to you and saying, "What do you want me to do with this?" You have the f-ing sword. Well, I'm saying that's fine, yeah. but I, but if it's like I can't run a game without, you know, they go into a town and they go into a building we've not talked right. about. Well, it's just like I have to pause the game until yeah, Brodo rules. No, from no, no. It's just this. like it's just like having employees. Your your employees <laughs> are a direct reflection of your job performance. Sure. So your people helping you run the world right, are but, going but part to, of this, and I know yeah. you're you're into this view of management, is if there's a shift manager and an angry customer comes in, they have to make a call. Yeah, don't fucking call me. You make a goddamn decision. Precisely. I, I hired and trained you to make a fucking okay. decision. Don't fucking call me. Right. And that's part of what we enjoy about having you on the show is the edited ones just sound like more, <laughs> Morse code of, of short and long beeps when there you speak. There was so much bleeping in the yeah. last episode. Oh, yeah. But yeah, torture. I'm sorry. I'm off my game. I will try to not be so profane. (laughs) No, we want you to be off your game. Your game is what gets edited. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. What? I mean, it's funny because it's true. No, that's so. (laughs) I hate the truth. It's all right. So, so other than lapping ourselves in circles on the same few things, do we have anything more to add on the topic? Because it it feels to me kind of like we've. Why is it called West March? That's like, is Chad. It, that's your homework. You no, back. I don't do homework. I you graduated college, a, and I and I Chad, stole this from my. Team. I'm big into co-creation in our games and collaboration. Why is it called West Marches? I'm not in this f-ing game, but you're on this show. Why is it called West Marches? Why is it called West Marches? Because actually, okay, I want here, you here's to feel my empowered. Pre- here's my prediction of why it's called West Marches. Yeah, there was probably like a D and D module. At some point. Or somebody's or, homebrew. Or somebody's, you know, like uh, OSR type adventure thing that had the seeds of this concept, if not the outright concept See, in it. I have and a, it's, it's like roguelike. I have a different. You know, it's from a video game called yes, Rogue. I have a different theory, which is similar okay. to the Rogue one, but it's not an adventure. I'm guessing somebody ran a campaign that they called their West Marches game. Mm. It'd be like if somebody took what we were doing with Post Nuke and says, I'm running a Skies of Glass styles game. You know, it came it, from it can't an, just a be specific some, game. It, it can't be just some random schlub. It's got to be like my like, money. Because there are, are, there are a lot of places, like look at the Forgotten Realms map. Yeah. There are a bunch of places called the Blank Marches, yeah. you know, called yeah. the Silver Marches or the This Marches. Or, and I'm guessing somebody made a homebrew setting called their land was called the West Marches, mm-hmm. and they ran it in a particular fashion, and that just spread into gaming gestalt. Right. I'm going old school OSR play by mail. Wow. Wow. PM. Yes. Yeah. That's actually the history. It was. Like, I was looking it up on Google. It was <laughs> a play by mail one. Where the GMs like would, what from the eighties or something? Don't yeah. know the exact now. Frame sure, I'm a, it was called West Marches, and they would send in the mails of what had happened in each individual area. Yeah. And then that would get disseminated back down to the GM. Nice. I bet you that that was in evil hats, designers and dragons, and that I already knew that. And mm. I'm not cool at all. No, you are cool. To me, and no, I actually bought the designer. The, the, the they fir- were on sale. The first one, I've only read the first one and it was very, very good. 
Hmm. I've not read it yet. I looked through the list of podcasts and they didn't mention us. And I'm like, what the hell? Useless. Totally (laughs) useless. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. Y'all stay safe out there. And we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.